Uh, this morning we'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'll let you get there and uh, we'll look at a couple of verses there and see what the Lord has to say to us. And while you're looking that up, uh, join me in prayer and ask the Lord to bless the, the reading and the preaching of his word. Father, we are grateful this morning for your presence in this place and Father, for allowing us the freedom to worship. And Father, this morning we just pray that as we open your word and hear your voice, that you'll speak to us, that you'll challenge us, that you'll encourage us, that you might even convict us. And Father, we just pray that uh, as we listen, we'll receive the truth that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, Russell, I, I feel for you being alone. I also feel for you not having your wallet That's a, and, and a driver's license, but uh, I'll, I'll come get you if I need to, okay? All right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, we live in a world that lacks hope, wouldn't you think? A lot of people live without any kind of hope at all, and that's really not living. Uh, we, we find as we, as we go along in life that uh, the things we thought we could trust and, and have hope in, there's not much of that. We, we don't have much hope in our government anymore. Uh, we don't have hope in a lot of things that we used to put a lot of faith and trust in. And uh, so we need a word that gives us hope and, and uh, encouragement and those things as well. And so in, in, this, in the text this morning, we find some of the, to me, some of the most encouraging, comforting words uh, found anywhere outside the Bible, but even inside the Bible. And, and, and these words of encouragement and hope are, are, are not for everyone. Uh, they're uniquely and exclusively for believers. For, for those who were saved. So this morning, if you, if you know that you're a believer, that you've trusted Christ, that you've placed your faith in Him, and, and He uh, alone is your Savior, then, then these words, these truths are, are uniquely and exclusively for you. They don't apply to someone who's never put their faith and trust in Christ, who's not a believer, uh, only for the body of Christ, for the believers. And, and what prompted the Apostle Paul to write this particular letter, this portion of this letter uh, to the church at Thessalonica was that there was, there was concern among the members. And the concern was dealing with death. And death is certainly something that concerns us, doesn't it? Uh, we, uh, it it's probably the most difficult thing we ever face whether it's a friend or a loved one or even our own impending uh, death as well. It, it, it's just nothing like it. And, and so uh, in light of that, Paul wrote this to, to bring some encouragement to those in that church, those believers concerning the matter of death. And what their specific concern was, they, they back in those days in, in the, the early church, they really believed with all their heart that the Lord Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. I mean, any moment. And, and they lived their lives with that outlook, that perspective. And, and I think we should too, don't you? Because he really could come at any moment, at any time. And, and they, but they fully expected that to happen in, in their lifetime. And, and so they were concerned 
about what would happen to their loved ones and friends who died before the Lord came back. And they were, they were concerned, well, they'll miss out on that. Because what, what they were looking forward to was the Lord to come back and, and take Christians away, take the church before the tribulation and, and all that. And, and uh, so they were concerned, well, if, if someone has died and Christ comes back, are they going to miss out on eternity? And so Paul wrote this letter, or this portion of letter, uh, to speak to that issue. So with that in mind, uh, begin in verse 13 of chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians, and he writes this, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Now when he says ignorant, he's not using a, a bad word like we just heard with the school kids. Uh, when he says ignorant, it just means, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to be informed. And there's a lot of things that I'm uninformed about. I, I, I'm not an expert on many things and a lot of things I don't know anything about. And so he says, I want you to be informed, not uninformed, not ignorant, brethren. And here's what he says, concerning those who've fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And so there, there was the concern, and, and he said, I, I want you to be well informed about the matter of death in the life of a believer. And, and he says this, lest you, and he says when he, those who've fallen asleep, he, he doesn't mean those who fall asleep in church, okay? He's talking about, when he says fallen asleep, he, those who've died, okay? Who, those who've died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And that sorrow he's talking about is the, is the grief and the heartbreak that, that someone experiences when, the, when someone they love dies. And, and you know that, don't you? You know that grief. You know that sorrow. But with the believer, there's still sorrow, but, but there's hope with it. And to a, to a non-believer who, who faces death or deals with the loss of a loved one, there really is no hope. If there's no eternity in, in their belief system, then that's just the end. I mean, wouldn't that be hopeless to, to believe that, that when your loved one dies, that they just cease to exist and you'll, you'll, never, you'll never get to see or hear or enjoy their company again? What, what a hopeless thing. And, I, and I've done a lot of funerals. I know Brother Russell has and and, and I've done some funerals for some, some unbelieving families and even the one who's deceased, uh, deceased for as long as anybody knew that they, they, they weren't believers either. And I want to tell you something. If you've ever been to one of those funerals, it's dark and, and it's thick and it's heavy and, and there's this sorrow, there's this wailing, there's this grief that has a... No hope whatsoever. They've just lost that person for, for as long as they live. But then there, there's, there's a funeral, there's a memorial service, even a celebration for a believer who's gone to be with the Lord. We know where they are. And even though we sorrow, even though our heart breaks, and even though we experience grief, we sorrow, but we sorrow with this, this hope. And that kind of hope is exclusive for a believer in Christ. I pray this morning that you have that hope. And, and you know, death is, 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 is concerning and it's something no one wants to face. 
And, and, and in fact, we, we spend a lot of time and money not to die, don't we? I mean, we really do. I do too. I, you know, I have to admit it. If a doctor tells me to take a certain medicine for, for my well-being, I, I usually take it unless it's too expensive. And, uh, but but we, we'll, we'll go to great lengths, won't we, just to stay alive. And, and yet, we know as believers that we have hope, even in the face of death. I think the Lord gives us that, that will and desire to stay alive because really, we'd be better off if we went to heaven right now, wouldn't we? At least I would. Maybe not you. But I'd rather be in heaven. Paul said he'd rather be in heaven, didn't he? He said, for me, uh, to die would be gain, didn't he? It'd be better off if I went to be with the Lord, but he said, to live as Christ. And so he gives us that, that will to live so we won't check out too early, okay? And so we, we, we sorrow, but we sorrow with this hope. And that's what he wanted them to know. And, and what is hope? Have you ever thought about that? It, it's not, I wish something would happen. Or, I, I, you know, it might happen, it might not happen. When, when he uses the word hope here, he's using the word, of it's a confident assurance that something's going to happen. And, and that confident assurance is based on faith in something or someone. And our faith is based in Christ, isn't it? Our faith is based in Christ. So the first truth, the first hope for the, for the church and for believers is the word hope. Knowing what it is and knowing what it's about. We, we will grieve, we'll sorrow, There's, there'll be times our heart is broken, but we still have that hope and that faith and that trust and that confident assurance in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this morning you have that confident assurance. When you think about death, when you think about the finality, there is no finality with death, is there? For the believer, for your loved one, or for you. And so there's this hope. But that's not all. He says, in, in, uh, as we move on, he says this. For if we believe, and there's the condition, this, this hope, this confidence assurance is conditional. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Do we believe that? I mean, really, because that's really what the gospel is. That's what the good news is. That's what we believe. And if we really doubt that or don't believe that, then we have no hope. So if we believe that, that the Lord brought the Lord Jesus back, and, and rose again. He said, we believe that. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who've, who've died trusting Christ. If we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, from the grave, then we know that the Lord will be, bring those who've died. Those who've fallen asleep. We know that. It's based on that. So this morning, I pray that, that you really can say with all assurance and all sincerity, I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. If you believe that, then you can believe that those who've died will live again, just like Jesus. 
And he says in verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Have you ever thought about that? Now, he doesn't use the word rapture, but Brother Russell, I believe that's what he's talking about. That's when the Lord comes back and, and uh, uh, he, he, uh, he takes all believers away. He, he removes the church from this earth. And it says this about those who've died before us. They'll actually see Jesus before we do, if he comes in our lifetime. And, and so he says, they will be by no means precede those who are asleep. They go first. Verse 16, for the Lord himself, I like that, don't you? I'm glad he's not sending someone to do it for him. Okay? I mean, he's going he, he's, he's to come himself. He will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. There it is. I love that verse. I don't know about you, but, but I'm not really looking up at the clouds, but, but I am listening for the trumpet. And for the shout and for the voice of an archangel, I believe we'll hear that if we're still alive when Christ does come back and it's going to be a glorious thing. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then it says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Who? The Lord and, and those who've died before he comes. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. I mean, how many of you have been to a family reunion on, on earth? Well, I've been to a few. It's been a long time, but I remember as a little kid, and they were pretty awkward to me. A bunch of people I'd never seen didn't know, and, and they started hugging on me. And, you know, for a little boy, that's, that's not cool, Okay. And I remember those, and some family reunions are awkward. But this is going to be a family reunion that, that's going to be glorious. And it's going to be in the middle of the air, too. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, think about that. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. The Lord and all of our loved ones, all of our friends that have died before he came, we're going to be gathered together. Now, if I'm already dead, I'll be there, too, before you will, okay? And so it's going to be a glorious reunion. That, that's, that's our hope, but that's also something else. That's our future as believers. Listen, a non-believer has no future past this life. Whether they die at 6 or 60 or 80 or 90, they have no future because they have no hope. There's nothing to believe in. They believed in no one, and, and, and they have no future. We have a future, and it's a glorious future. Now, unbelievers have a future, and I didn't want to talk about that this morning. They don't just cease to exist either, do they? They have an eternity, and their eternity is to be in a place called hell, separated from the life and light of Almighty God forever. And the torment and the torture of this place called hell. Listen to me. If you believe in heaven, do you believe in heaven? That it's real? Well, then you have to believe in hell too. Because Jesus talked about hell actually more than he did heaven. Just as real as heaven is, so is that other place. And that is the future for an unbeliever, for a non-believer, for a person who's never 
received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, but if you have received Him, your future is glorious. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells me so. And I believe with all my heart. In fact, John 3, 16, you remember that verse? First verse you probably ever learned, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We've heard that so many times we kind of just forget about it, don't we? But that is our hope. That is our future. One of my favorite passages of Scripture in, in a time where, where death is involved is John chapter 14 when the Lord Jesus called the disciples together and he began to prepare them for his death on the cross and for the time he'd be away. And he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he said, in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, there it is, and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And the Bible says, but Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and, and we don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There it is, isn't it? I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ said, in my Father's house are many mansions. That's that place called heaven. He said, if it weren't so, I would have told you. And then he said, I'm the truth, didn't he? And he said, there's a way to heaven. And Thomas said, we don't know the way. He said, well, I am the way. By placing your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You ever thought about heaven and that dwelling place. I, the King James, the New King James says mansion. Some others say dwelling place. I'd rather be in a mansion. Because I can dwell in a tent. I don't think that'd be heaven. Now, for some of you, it might be. But, but I, I like the word mansion because it's going to be glorious. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I know one thing. It is, it is a perfect place. It is a permanent place. And it is a prepared place by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I want to go there, don't you? I'm ready to go there. Absolutely ready. And, and the older I get, the more ready I am, the more, the more I look forward to it. I can't wait to get to heaven. And I can't wait to see the Lord. I can't wait to see my loved ones, my friends that have, that have already gone to be with Him. And I'm grateful that they're there. I can't imagine losing them without knowing they're in heaven. I can't imagine. I don't think you could recover from that kind of heartbreak or even go on, do you? And a lot of people live like that. There's no hope. There's no future. But that's not all. There's a third truth, and it's found in verse 18. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. What words? Our hope and our future in the Lord Jesus Christ in our eternity in heaven. Comfort one another. We all not only have hope and a future, we have great comfort in those words of truth. But that's not all. He said, comfort one another with these words. 
Those words comfort us, but we also can comfort each other in those times. We all know those truths, but sometimes we need to be encouraged and reminded. Therefore, comfort one another. There's comfort for the living, isn't there? I mean, there really is. There's comfort for those of us who are still here this side of heaven. But there's also comfort for those who are facing death. I've, I've got a friend right now that's close to death. He's one of our pastors. And there's comfort for those, his family right now, and his friends, even his church. There's comfort for the living. There's comfort for those facing death. What a Savior. What, what a hope we have. And I, I pray this morning, you have a hope and a future. And I, I pray this morning, you find comfort in these words. If you haven't already, I pray you will. I pray this morning you know exactly where your eternity is. I know we hear this all the time in church, but there's nothing more important. And there is nothing more important that we do in church is to make sure that we get the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone we know, everyone we come in contact with. And we use and we comfort each other in times of grief and sorrow and even the times that we will be facing our own death. We have a hope. We have a future. We have comfort in Christ. I pray you can do that this morning. If not, don't leave here without hope. Don't leave here without a future. Don't leave here uncomforted. Come to Christ this morning. Maybe you're, you're, in, you're grieving now. I don't know. Maybe the Lord has, has spoken to you and he's, he's encouraged you. He's, he's reassured you. And he's brought you great comfort. Rejoice in that this morning. We're going to pray, and I guess, Phil, you're going to come. Well, come on, because I'm not going to pray long. <laughs> Father, we are grateful that we don't have to face death without hope, without future. Father, we think that there is great comfort right now when we think about those things. And Father, I know a lot of people don't, don't like to think about death. Don't want to talk about it. But Father, we know it's, it's a part of life. And that our days are numbered. And someday our number will be up. And Father, I pray that everybody in this building is, is prepared for that moment. Father, I pray for those that are, who are still grieving and in sorrow. Father, I pray that uh, they, they, their trust and their faith is in you. And, and Father, that... They, they have that hope and that future. They find that comfort this morning. And Father, if not, I pray you'll, you'll, you'll touch that heart. You'll bring them to yourself. You'll call them by name. And they'll come and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness. Father, thank you that our eternity is glorious in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.